the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Oh, hello. Welcome to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie. Say hello, Heather. Hello, Heather. I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday afternoon in the sunny H-Town, Houston, Texas. We're really grateful that you're listening in today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Don't forget to follow, like our Instagram, our Facebook, and you know what? Hmm. On the platforms you're listening, so if you listen to Spotify, Apple, iHeart, I haven't been asking for this, but I could really use a little like like if you hear an episode that you like, hit the little like button. You can like it. You can follow our channel. Um, you can subscribe is what it's called on some of them to our podcast. Yeah. Because um, we're, we're rebranding soon. Right. So, oh, yeah. That's coming. Yeah. So everybody needs to know that in the next couple weeks, um, we won't be recording in iHeart Studios anymore. We'll actually be recording out of a home studio. And we yep. got our gear. We're all ready. But so the logo, website, different things like that might look different because we're going to be heavily rebranding. But you will always be able to find us on all streaming platforms. So just go to whatever you listen to music on, whether it's Spotify, Alexa, Google, Apple Music, all of that, iHeart, and just search Relevant Recovery. Um, and you should be able to find our channel. And you can That's subscribe, right. follow. All right, so say the things that take care of the bills. The things. uh, This show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a wonderful recovery program and outpatient wellness clinic. Um, It's in the area of 290 and 610. We do recovery coaching, peer support services, chemical dependency counseling, therapy, and IASIS, which is microcurrent neurofeedback. Do you think you could get some of that therapy for you, like for free? Is that like a thing? They said they couldn't help me. Oh, no. (laughs) No, but uh, so we help people struggling with substance use disorder, but also anxiety, depression, autism, um, stroke recovery, Parkinson's. People come to us for IASIS, for microcurrent neurofeedback, for a lot of reasons, not just chemical dependency. Um, But if you want to enroll in peer support or recovery programs, we can. We have some cool price points for the different things we offer, Christian counseling, forest therapy, and uh, Candy does some cool big book workshops. Candy pants. Hey, Hmm. listen, um, do you guys only do tree forest therapy? Because I've I've got sort of an issue. I need some plant therapy. So my plants are looking pretty sad. They died over the winter. Do, will they come out and talk to my plants, or they only talk to trees in the forest? Oh, my goodness. What? Did I miss something? <laughs> the therapy isn't for the trees. The oh. therapy is for the person, and you go into the trees. Like connecting with nature, like people that hike and that sort of stuff. I have trouble connecting with humans. Yeah, me too. Okay. And maybe the, maybe forest therapy would help you. Maybe you should try it. Maybe. But yeah. anyways, so uh, Matthew Soap pays the bills and sponsors this podcast. So if you or a loved one would like any information about what we do and the services we offer, you can give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE, which is 844-263-4673. Or you can visit one of our websites, matthewshope.org, is more about the foundation and our origin story. And mhdrp.org is about our recovery support and ISIS stuff. Wonderfully said. Thank you, Heather, for You're that. Welcome. 
for that um, sponsor spotlight. Yes, sponsor spotlight. So, you know, we always open the show with a little bit of banter. Yeah. And our world right now seems to be wrapped around the construction going on at our house. I'm so excited about it, but it's so stressful. Why? Why is it stressful? Um, well, it's loud, number one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of chaotic destruction and demolition and things happening on the outside of our house everywhere. And I feel weird. Like if I want to go out like at lunchtime and have a cigar, I, I don't have anywhere to sit. So I have to sit in the garage and it looks like I'm sitting out there watching them work. It's really I don't like want awkward. Them. I know I want to go out and like look and see what they're doing, but I also don't want to like invade their space or make them feel like I'm like yeah. critiquing them or watching them or make them feel uncomfortable. But um, it's been quite a process. We're just a couple weeks into a couple months long project. <laughs> right. The the repairs and the additions to the house will take about a month. Yeah. And then the redo of our entire pool will take about a month. Yeah. And so I'm excited, <clears throat> though. Uh, so far, I'm very happy with uh, the contractor we hired for the home stuff. Uh, he's built a beautiful new back patio and he's getting to work on the new siding and soffit and fascia. So, so quick. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Hot seat perspective. Hmm. Has my behavior gotten? Describe my behavior, and has it gotten better this so week? So here's the problem: is you elected me to be GC of the project. You are the general contractor but, because you're better at it. But you opted to stay home to let contractors. It's not, in the- no, no, no. Hold on. You keep saying that. That's a weird statement. I work from home. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> like some days, you usually go in, and you're like, I'll stay home. Yeah. Well, days. if I can find an excuse That's to work from home, I'm my doing point it. is, is that I'm at work. And you're not supposed to make any decisions, but you'll Correct. like, you know, put your nose in it and then you'll like blow up my phone trying to get me to like answer and make decisions. I... Okay. This is your perspective. Keep going. Sorry. You asked for I my perspective. I know. I know. <laughs> you just go ahead. And I'm just like, well, you just stop going in the backyard. Like, that's where I smoke my, if, smoke if my cigars. Smoke them on the front porch. Where? Just sit on the ground. I don't care. We don't have a proper stoop for I'm that. If you're going to smoke a cigar in the front, you got to have a stoop. <laughs> so, well, anyways. What and I'm, a 40 ounce. If they needed some info from me, if they have a question for me, I know the contractor would message me and or FaceTime me and ask. And so here's the funny thing is that the reason I asked you to GC this, the reason I asked you to take full control of it is because you're good at it. We have had other things done at our house, and I missed pieces. It wasn't real detailed. So I'm just, it's not a skill of mine. And, and you have a spiritual gift of like administration. You're just good at it. So my perspective on this is that I'm fighting having the ability to have any input or opinion. And, and you and I kind of had a little blowout a few weeks ago, and I said, look, I'm giving you final say. I'm giving you control, but I'm going to have some opinions, some questions, and you're going to have to have patience. That, that was an issue. Because ultimately, you get to make the decisions here. I'm not going to fight you. In fact, there's only one thing I have wanted to fight you on since the entire thing. We blew up over a TV mount that neither one of us Neither one of us want. We decided to put the TV mount and a TV in the back patio when we don't watch TV. But resale value, I get it. It's a good resale point. And he was like, it's better to have it than to not have it. So let's have it, fine. Let's have it. Oh, yeah. So we had a blowout fight over the size of the TV that neither one of us care about. It was pretty fantastic. Listen, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie. You got to start saying just relevant recovery. You got to lose the radio. Well, and so today we're talking about things relevant to recovery. What? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so this is a show that we do. We talk about things that are relevant to all kinds of addictions and recovery. What does it look like? Because one of the things that we have found in our lives is that pretty much all recovery is so similar. Mm-hmm. Whatever I'm recovering from, whether it's drugs and alcohol, porn addiction, Food, anger issues, all of it, it's sort of the same. Self is always the issue, and reliance on a power greater than myself is always the solution. Right. The only uh, details that kind of change is how do I get to that reliance. Yeah, right? and how does it apply to the problem per se. And so one of the things that we've been dealing with in our home repair is patience. Oh Lord, <laughs> I like okay. So this is what hit me when you came up with the topic last night. You're like, "What about patience?" And I, I, I thought it was pretty great. I didn't tell you that because I didn't <laughs> want your head to swell. I needed it to fit on the camera this morning, but um, <laughs> so kind and loving. <laughs> but I was literally thinking about it before we left the house. That they're in the backyard right now. We have this big 15 by 20 patio cover built, and they're putting this beautifully stained wood up there. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing flaws, but we're not giving Gilbert the opportunity to fix them. Well, I mean, it's not. It's not. There's even nothing time. even they're to not, fix. It's not, not finished. finished. Correct. But Let we're it like, go. we're like, hey, I see a crack over here, and I see this, and are they staining it? We're we're not letting them do their process. We're like, weren't you supposed to be done last year? What are we doing here? And I, and by the way, can I say something real quick? Hmm. And this is not a paid advertisement. This no. is not this guy's name is Gilbert Manzano. You can find him on Instagram on Manzano Designer. It's M A N Z A N O Designer. So it's that's at. his IG handle is Manzano Designer. This he's dude, been wonderful to work with listen, so far. I know the project's not done, but he's honest, he's kind, he's on time, humble. His, yeah, it's just been wonderful. You and I have worked with a lot of other contractors on other projects in the past. Yeah, and you can kind of tell when they're salesmany, when they're Remember dishonest. The AC? And this is, by uh, the way, why I don't GC anything. I handled the entire uh, zoning of our house AC. And you we did we not have, hire the right person. And we have another six grand and to when, invest and at when some we point. We did uh, the backyard landscaping years ago. You hired that person and, and they didn't finish the job. And, and that was gross. Like, so anyways, I'm just not good at it. Yeah. But, anyways, Manzano's been great. Yeah. So, and he's in Houston. So, if you're looking to get, he specializes in outdoor kitchens, patios, indoor but kitchens, go bathrooms. Instagram. Go, go check his out Instagram. his pictures on Instagram. Like, he's oh. amazing. And, and so, the reason that we love him is that. When they were originally staining that ceiling, uh, they didn't use the stain they normally do. The stain turned out horribly. It was bad. It was a bad batch of stain is what it turned out to be. And he didn't, because it it didn't dry after four days. It was just gross. And he didn't even question it. He didn't say a word to us. These planks that he's putting up there are expensive. They're not cheap. They're pine plank. And he went and replaced 32 boards and restained them with new stain to make it right unasked it was just that's who he is that's just who he is so it's at manzano designer this dude's pretty amazing and we'll give you updates as we go along but i wanted to us to talk about patience because it applies to so many things today because i feel like right now donnie you would agree we live in a world that's always in a hurry mm-hmm. like can, every- you, can you get to the point <laughs> I can punch you is what I can do. We live in a world that's always in a hurry. On to the next thing. On to the next thing, on to the next goal, on to the next husband, on to the next achievement, on to the next success benchmark. Like, mm-hmm. like everybody's in a hurry. Yeah. 
And I just feel like patience is something that's relevant to recovery for sure. And we'll get to that later, okay. but it's, it's applicable to the whole world. <laughs> but how is it, how is it relevant to recovery? Why is patience important? Um, I go get sober during sobriety, long-term sobriety. Like why is patience important I think important it's important to, to people in recovery because of the instant gratification aspect. When you're a drug addict or an alcoholic and you're what the book calls unlovely in your cups, like you're in active addiction, uh, you're very used to instant gratification. I know if I take a couple shots of alcohol or my thing was heroin, if I take a shot of heroin uh, or a couple pills or whatever the thing is, even if it's food addiction, whatever the addiction is, um, if you go get that in your system, within seconds or minutes, you ch it changes how you feel. And we get used to that. We get used to, oh, I feel uncomfortable. I want this. Let me have it now. This highly applies to shopping addiction, too. You know, that's why they have a term buyer's remorse uh, or retail therapy. People use these uh, outward secular things to change the way that you feel inside. But it's really a Band-Aid that covers up the spiritual sickness. And it's very temporary and it's counterfeit and it doesn't work long term. And it will always progressively get worse. So I think that when it comes to instant gratification, our society as a whole is so used to it. Look at any kid that's on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just so obsessed with feeding their brain new information constantly. I'm shocked at how many adults are on TikTok, really. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, okay, so the, the place I see it the most mm -hmm. is when somebody is newly sober. <laughs> Let me just say, I'll just use an I statement. Mm -hmm. I was six months sober, and I told my brother Scott, I was like, hey, dude, guess what? On this date, I'm going to be six months sober. And I was <laughs> yeah. so proud of me. <laughs> So proud of that's me. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And he just goes, that that's great. He goes, look, I, if, if I'm honest with you, I'm just really waiting for you to get bored and go drink again. Mm -hmm. And I was so butthurt. I was so butthurt. And the reason I was butthurt is because I wanted 25 years of lying and drinking to be erased in six months. Right. Right. And so that I see that it's a common thing when people get sober. They've been sober 30 you, days. You, they're like, what are you I'm doing? Different. I, I'm a whole new person. So I see that in recovery a lot that people get a few months sober and they expect their spouses or family members to just accept that they're a different person when it's really going to take months or years to undo the damage you've caused. Yeah. And so people need to be patient in that recovery process. We have a long road of reconstruction ahead. It takes time to show the family member tangible results that you're changing your behavior, um, that you're showing up differently, that you're going to be more others focused in life and in your inner, in your interactions. Also, because we sponsor a lot of people, I deal with uh, a lack of patience sometimes when it comes to helping others. Mm. Like I want them to be willing to do what I think they need to do to get well right away. Um, or you want them in a different place on the spiritual path. Mm -hmm. I, it's almost like in your mind, you're like, bro, you're a year sober. What are you doing? But it's just where <laughs> it's they always are. where they are. And it's not a right or a wrong, a good or a bad. It's just where they are. But I think from um, the defective part of me being a sponsor, I will get impatient sometimes just in, in my head, in my own heart, where I'm like, oh, I wish they would learn this lesson. I wish they would see this spiritual benefit. I wish, you know. And so really, I have to learn as a good sponsor to be very patient and let them be where they're at in the spiritual growth. There is that couple whom we love. We were both very interactive with them early in their sobriety. They don't talk to us so much anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. And I remember at one point, 
I was speaking with the male about kind of what was going on there. And he just all of a sudden goes, you know, you know, she's only six months, right? Mm -hmm. Like he was telling me like, let her be where (laughs) she is. And I'm like, I should probably know this. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that was her, like we, we want people to be where we want them to be quicker than maybe they're going to get there. So that's an element of where I need more patience with the people we're helping and the people we're working with. You need more patience with me. God said no to that one. (laughs) God said he put me here to be a thorn in your side, sir, to shape you up. Oh, Lord. And so anyways, uh, another way people need patience is drivers. Can we just gripe for a minute about Houston drivers? I'd love that part. You almost got hit by a van on the way here. Yeah, that happens. It doesn't like emotionally affect me. It emotionally affects you when you're driving. It does. And and I see you uh, very um, disturbed by the drivers around you. When you say emotional, you're saying that I should not pull a firearm out. <laughs> you, which you don't, so don't say that. But I'm just saying I hear you. You huff, you puff. Sometimes you cuss. Sometimes you're like, come on, man. Like you get so mad that you'll yeah. like yell at other drivers. I'm like... But they're always crazy. No one in Houston that drives seems to have patience. But it is spiritual progress because I used to do way worse. Yeah, used to do way worse. But what I'm saying is I grew up in Oklahoma. And so anyone that's from a small town, like you blink, you use your blinker, you're courteous, you wave them on to like come in front of you. Like it, there's just um, a patience and a courtesy when it comes to how you drive that I don't see a lot of drivers here in Mm -hmm. Houston have. And so when we're in recovery, we have to have patience with ourselves, patience with others. There's a lot of patience that's necessary for this deal we're doing. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Welcome to Relevant Recovery Radio. We're back. I want to talk for a second about. I want to talk for a second about the effects when someone lacks patience for a second. Like, like you and I today before this show at our house, I think we were both lacking a little. Pa- I've been a little extra today. I can feel it. Oh, I can feel it for sure. But we were both lacking some patience this morning. So yeah. give me give me that effect. Well, I just think sometimes, uh, speaking from experience, I struggle with uh, patience, and I will feel entitled, entitled for you to act a certain way, entitled for someone to engage with me in a certain way. When I don't get my way, I feel in, I feel entitled yeah. to make you change so I get my way, right? And this goes into people who are, you know, could be spoiled. It depends on how some people were oh, raised. Oh, you are. What? Yeah, you're- I'm not spoiled. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little bit. But it's just God's blessings. He just loves me. <laughs> no, I'm just saying people end up, I end up with a really bad attitude for a long time. My my parents were too nice to me. They spoiled you. And they spoiled me. I did not grow up rich, so I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I spoil like, you. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying. In six years, tell me the one time you've heard no. I've had a bad <laughs> attitude problem for most of my life. <laughs> Okay, I'm glad we're finally going to address this today on the show. But I didn't know it. Oh, we're not. So no, I know it now. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, we're, you know. Anyways, my point is, is that I didn't know it for 34 years. It took me burning my life to the ground and working the 12 steps and mm-hmm. having 
my character defects handed to me for me to realize that I was spoiled, for me to see that I was entitled, for me to see that I had a bad attitude, for me to see that I had unrealistic expectations. And so that really went into me not having patience. Along the line of patience, how many times did you have to do inventory for that to start becoming clear? Because it doesn't happen the first time. It did not happen the first. I only saw it with when I wrote the first time I wrote inventory on ex-husband number two. And you, I, so you saw, I saw it, it right away there in that relationship. The, the entitlement. Because for a long time I blamed my heroin addiction on him and the fail, failure of that marriage. And so then once I had been given education about the disease of addiction, chronic addiction, what causes it, um, I, I started to realize that plus writing the inventory, I saw all my wrongs, faults, blames, and mistakes throughout that entire relationship. So that was the tip of the iceberg. I think it was like the third or fourth or fifth time I wrote inventory later in sobriety on my parents that I started to see how flawed I was in the Mm -hmm. relationship. Mm -hmm. It takes time. And I'm grateful that my sponsors and the women around me were patient with me while I had those sort of self-discoveries. For instance, you were dating somebody before you and I met. Mm Mm-hmm. Tell me about the patience your sponsor had with you during that period. <laughs> she got to a point where it, it, it ended. Because but, this is important, because was, she really supported you by giving you the room you needed to grow as or you to fail. were. Correct. And so she did not have, I was in a not healthy relationship for about 10 or 11 months um, before I met you. And I was sober. This is in my early sobriety. And um, I wrote a lot of inventory on this guy, and I would bring lots of problems to her over and over again. And she uh, would really just rhetorically ask me spiritual questions for me mm-hmm. to answer within myself. And never gave you the she answer. She never gave me the answer of no, what I needed to do. But we did get to a point 11 months in where when I reached out to her for the upteenth time about the same issue, she said, okay. We're not talking about this anymore. (laughs) You can bring me other stuff. We're not talking about this anymore. And at first I was upset with her, but now I see the beauty in what she was doing because I've had to do that. But I think that there's other uh, experiences I've had that taught me patience in sobriety. Anything specific to recovery or just in your life while you're in recovery? I think I should talk about like my legal issues and stuff. That's uh. So when I got sober... She's off paper, people. You can't come get her no more. Um, so how how many legal issues have you had, young lady? I well, I've never been arrested in Texas. So let me say that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know how many times I've been arrested in the state that I'm from. Um, I don't know how many misdemeanors. How many convictions do you have? I have at least I think seven felony convictions, <laughs> more misdemeanors than the seven felonies. But like they print my FBI background thing for work all the time, you know, and I, you try to count them up. But it's just... It, well, it's hard to count that high being from Oklahoma. I get anyways, it. Anyways, okay. they roll it together. But anyways, so when I got arrested for the last time in a third county in Oklahoma, um, I had to sign for five years in prison on paper is what it's... I already had three years deferred and other things leading up to this that I failed to stay sober after. Anyway, so it rolled into this five years on paper. So let me fast forward to when I get sober and I finally get one year sober. I waited until I was one year sober because I didn't trust I would stay sober. <laughs> I never stayed sober before. So once I turned a year sober, I had to have patience first to get the year. And then I wanted to hire uh, a criminal attorney to help me with my legal issues. All attorneys are criminals, just you know, FYI. You know what I mean. Oh, sorry. 
It's not like a family law attorney. And so the two things that I had to face was, A, my five years in prison on paper legal issues that I was running from. B, my children. I was separated from my children for many years. And so I could have been selfish and tried to go force to get back in my kid's life right away when I got sober. But A, I was scared I wouldn't stay sober and I would leave their life again. And B, I was afraid that legally I would have to go do the five years in prison that I owed the state of Oklahoma. And I was afraid my kids would be removed from my life again for that. Mm -hmm. And so I really prayed a lot about it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take care of my legal issues first, then fight for custody of my kids. I felt morally convicted to handle it that way, just for me, just for my experience. And the patience was, it took me from... I got sober in August of 2016. I began cleaning up my legal issues in August of 2017, and I didn't finish the legal stuff until February of 2020. There and, was, and you still have you still have a commitment that's not finished until May. Uh, yes, child support. Yeah. yeah, and so, but I'm just saying, just with the legal stuff, you got to look from 2017 to 2020. There was I had a whole list. I called oh. it the accountability list, bro. I know. And I had a whole list of things that the state and other court stuff wanted from me. You know, like uh, what's it called? Community service, fines, all this sorts of stuff. I had ID issues. Um, so it took me years. I had to have patience that my life. I, I dug myself into this hole. I'm going to have to spend years digging myself out with God's help, of course. Bad woman, take it slow. <laughs> It'll work itself out fine. Anyways. Sorry. So um, after I got my legal issues cleaned up in February, then March of 2020, COVID hit and all that crap. So courts were shut down. So I didn't get to start fighting for to be back in my kids' <clears throat> lives until August of 2020. What were you going through? What were you feeling during this time? Like, take us to it. Get it's into it. It felt overwhelming because yeah. of the mountain of things I had to take care of. I needed God's help, and I, I felt overwhelmed. So my sponsor had me make that long checklist in order, chronologically, of uh, so I could see the progress. Mm-hmm. Because it just felt like a mountain I'll never, I'll never get to the top of. And you owed a ton of money and a ton of time, and and the state, the state wanted some time. <laughs> they wanted you to go sit in adult. So that's time my out. experience with something that I had to be patient with, like getting my kids back in my life and cleaning up my legal issues in sobriety. So well, I know, I know, what's I was going to give you. Me, no, I, I want you to, keep, I want you to keep, I want you to get a little deeper into that. Like, give me in in first, middle, late. Like, give me. How you felt? What, what in the beginning? I wanted to avoid it all and run from it. Okay. I felt very avoidant. Then when I started to deal with it, I was very nervous and scared. I got to a point where I just said, "You know what? If I go do five years in prison, I'm going in sober. Maybe I'm supposed to just sponsor women in prison." So you were surrendered to the idea that if you were meant to go to prison, you were going to prison. I was cool with it. I jail well. I get yeah. my hair braided. I'm cool. Just put some put some money on my books. Anyways. Um, uh, like literally I surrendered to like I'll get through it like it's okay I'll be sober I'll have God I can help other women I've never been with a woman you're my wife and you're like I jail well yeah yeah that's weird to me it's like a little vacay kind of sometimes okay so how did you feel at the end how did you like how did you get through that it almost felt surreal that like I just want to keep giving the credit to God that I didn't accomplish this on my own power. God dramatically stepped in and did some things timeline-wise that I could have never done. But 
the length of the journey was what was important. The, mm-hmm. the, the time I spent trying to learn how to rely on God and be patient for God's timing in the midst of all of that, I had what I wanted when I wanted to get back in my kid's life. And God's like, eh, not time yet. We're going to do this and this first. When you were in, in that, in that season, what, when, when it would be overwhelming, like I'm sure it hit you at times like, oh my God, I can't get through all this. What specifically did you do? I wrote a lot of inventory about it. I talked to my sponsor. I prayed a lot about it. But what really helped was that that accountability list, the checklist, Um, because she helped me list everything I had to do in the order I had to do it. And so as I got to check items off, Mm -hmm. um, it built up motivation. And I remember getting halfway through the list. It was like, 30 things. But getting halfway through the list, I'm like, oh my gosh, look what look what me and God are accomplishing. Maybe this is doable. Maybe right. there is light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, and so I started to get excited about God and I accomplishing these things. And at the same time, criminal, while you're dealing with this, you were helping others. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. It wasn't that overwhelming. You're like, I can't help people right now. I've got this legal stuff no, to no, deal no. with. I've got this to deal with. You were If I kept helping God's kids, God was gonna help me with my unmanageable stuff. That boom. That's what I wanted to get to. All right, don't go anywhere. We're gonna be right back here in a moment with relevant recovery. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery with your host, Heather and Donnie. Hi. Okay, so here's what I was thinking about in when we talk about like patients in recovery or patients in general. I was going to talk about like the construction stuff, right? And and when it was time to get quotes and bids, I'm ready to just pull the trigger. I got no patience. <laughs> Let's get them started tomorrow. And you're like, hold on a minute. Like what credentials do they have? Why do we trust them? Well, what you wanted like full-blown quotes and all that, I would have just been like, yeah, go for it. Here, let me just give you all your money up front. No, 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 okay. no. But here's what I was thinking about. Here's what kind of hit me as you were telling that story. Um, money. So one of the things that you and I had when we got together in common was a mountain of debt. Yeah. When you and I got together, my debt was credit debt. I had $77,000 in credit debt. And you're like, honor. You like to shop, you bougie boy. Yeah. And you said, we're not, we're not doing no, that. No, no, And I said, hey, that's not a skill of mine. And, I don't, and you said, cool, it is mine. And I turned over everything financial to you. Mm-hmm. You remember me asking you, like, how many credit cards do you have? I was I, just trying to find the number. I lost count. I had no idea how many I had. <laughs> I just knew that I paid a lot of money every month in pretty crazy. much finance charges. But in that journey, listen, I, I, I was no spiritual giant. I was kicking and screaming the whole time, right? And there, Because you're pretty much, hey, we're going to do this rice and beans. We're not buying anything. We're not going anything Here's extra. your budget. You get a little fun money. This is the plan. Because Stand. I was used to that instant gratification. Yeah. I, if I needed a little retail therapy, I'd just go get it and yeah. just go buy something I don't need. But I'd get that hit of dopamine, feel good for the day, and move Which on. Which is how you ended up in all that debt. Right. And so as we're going through it, I was frustrated. Mm-hmm. I was not happy with it. I was uncomfortable because you've removed an opportunity for me to get some some counterfeit ease and comfort because that's what it is. And you got to sit with yourself. But what happened as we went through it, you did it in about two, two and a half years, mm-hmm. right? As a, a definite credit to you, you 
removed that debt almost totally in about two to two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're you're just you're an Oklahoma gal that don't need much, right? You really don't buy much. No. And I'm I'm a Houston guy that needs a lot, evidently. <laughs> it's different here. And so there was times that we we went head to head. We argued. I got frustrated. I got, but thank goodness that you are stubborn like I am, but you're just a little more stubborn and you kept me on track. Yeah. So I'm saying all this to say that as we walked through it, it was uncomfortable. It was frustrating. It was new to me. I didn't like it, but it built character. Yeah. It was definitely a character building exercise. And now you fast forward to the end. You and I have been together six years. We'll be married five years in June. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not buying stuff anymore. Because we went through that exercise and that patience was forced, that character was built, and then now I have patience around money. I don't really, I mean, I have a cigar. You have a cigar budget. I have a cigar lifestyle that we got to (laughs) maintain. But beyond that. That's your only thing right now, yeah. I really don't buy anything. But but ever since then, I just don't. Um, Because one of the things that it did is it forced me to find real content in God. Mm -hmm. It forced me to smash the delusion that purchasing anything on a credit card, mm-hmm. that purchasing anything was going to actually bring me happiness. Because we got to remember, I think that, because you've grown a lot spiritually in your relationship with God in the last five years too, yeah, not just from this, but uh, so patience is a virtue. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. Patience is something that shows spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that uh, gets developed over time. We have to practice it. it <laughs> like your spiritual muscles were severely atrophied in this area when we first got together around this. Or never used. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and by the way, here's how spiritual we are. On the way in here today, I was impatient <laughs> on the road. We got you to the building. Even driving. I was impatient with the guy at the front desk because we have to train a new security guard, it seems like, every few weeks. <laughs> I was impatient with the lobby lady coming into iHeart. Yeah. So just want to just be transparent yeah, there. Yeah, that's what we got to be honest about because these are spiritual muscles. Just because we went and spent a year in the gym four years ago does not mean I have spiritual muscles in that area today. When you don't use them, they atrophy. When you, when you don't use them, they waste away. And so we need to practice using these spiritual muscles to grow in character, to grow spiritually. Because if I just self-will it and make sure I'm always getting what I want or what I deserve or my, you know, then I'm going to pay a severe spiritual price later on. And in the recovery world, that may mean a relapse for some people. Because the other thing it's that I like... It's a dangerous, slippery slope. The thing I like to tell people when I'm sponsoring them and just or just in the, the rooms in general is that the spiritual walk that we are on, the 12 steps that we practice as best we can on a daily basis, is a marathon. It ain't a race. This is not how well can I do this and get done. Where's the where's the finish line? Where's the it's not. The it's a marathon. The spiritual walk you mean. So hold on, I want to just clarify so there's no confusion. The when spiritual it, walk, yes. Through mm-hmm. the twelve steps, practicing those steps, but the spiritual walk, there is no finish line and it is Correct. not a race. It's a marathon. When I'm it's taking gonna... someone through the steps to get them sober, though, it is a race to get them connected so they can stay sober. But the rest sure. of the spiritual walk. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that so that people didn't misunderstand. I don't what we think were they did. Only you did. But that's okay. I'm I'm gonna let that slide. So as I'm <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. Oh. So go ahead. You said you were trying to say that it the spiritual walk, the journey, is not a race, it's a marathon. And that I have to practice this stuff over and over and over. And okay, that's what I was gonna say is the patience is that when we are early in recovery, we just want to be fixed. Mm-hmm. I just 
want to be emotionally sober. I just want to want to want to want to want to. But what we don't want to do is the daily practice of it. The daily practice so, the of daily surrender. Morning prayer meditation, right? Spot checks, nightly review, sponsoring people. Well, it's a 10 step. It doesn't say that. It does in the 12 and 12 if you, ever, if you ever read it. I don't read that one. Anyways, <laughs> you should read it. I will when I need to, okay? <laughs> when I need to. Um, but these <laughs> these things that we need to do, whether I feel it like it or not, and when I the reason patience is there because I see someone who is emotionally sober, level-headed, calm, and I just want, I want it now. Mm -hmm. But I'm not willing to take the time to build the character to get there. Yeah. That's why it's so important in recovery. How do you think people could learn to identify their where they're impatient? Um, and I mean, it comes with what the self awareness. I had to. I, I made the joke at the elevator that I have no patience, and we're coming in here to talk about patience. <laughs> but for me, you know what it is for for me for today? Because people pointed it out to me either through inventory, through holding me accountable. It's like being self observant. I can tell you that today. I noticed from our interactions this morning, my interactions with work, my interact. There is this saying that if you cross paths with three or more jerks, jerks in a day, it's possibly you that are the jerk. Yeah. And sometime around eleven thirty, I recognized that, that I was cross three jerks. I had <laughs> had enough with you and my manager for no reason. The people I work with, the maids. You the... lost it on the housekeepers almost this morning. Right. And so it's being self-aware. So yeah, my yeah. self-awareness says, hey, you're sort of off today. There's something going on. Mm -hmm. And so I recognize, wait a minute, I have no patience today. And there's underlying reasons. And I got to go seek those out. So what do is you the... think that a lack of patience, um, if someone's aware of it, that that is, should be an indication of a spiritual disturbance? Yes. Yes. For for me, it definitely is. Um, so today, for whatever reason, I am disturbed, and I need to go sit quiet when we get home. I need to like mm -hmm. figure out why that is, and 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 the patience will follow that. So I, I think I see what you're getting at. So if I am following a spiritual practice, if I'm doing these, if I'm being obedient, and doing what I'm supposed to do, mm -hmm. that patience follows that. So what I hear you saying is like when it comes to the journey, the marathon, that people need to trust the process. Right. That it right. just doesn't remove <laughs> just because you do it one time or just because you're trying to look for it. There's a process to it. And do you think patience strengthens my reliance and relationship with God or my reliance and relationship with God strengthens patience? That one. The latter. Say it. I think that when you have a stronger relationship with God, it equals more patience. Ah, because I'm on his time, his clock. Because you gotta, you gotta His be will. in God's will, not self will. You gotta be in God's time, not my time. God's never late, and I just need to learn to hurry up and wait. <laughs> and I also need to have some empathy when that guy is going down the road, twenty miles under the speed limit. Maybe he's got something in his car that can break, and I've got to put myself so. in their shoes. And don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Really glad you checked in with us today. Relevant recovery hashtag God though.